You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Bible reading this morning is from the Common English Bible, Isaiah 55, 1 through 12. Invitation to the Feast. All of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come buy food and eat. Without money at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what isn't food and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest of feasts. Listen and come to me. Listen and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful loyalty to David. Look, I made him a witness to the peoples, a prince and commander of peoples. Look, you will call a nation you don't know. A nation you don't know will run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call him while he is yet near. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the sinful their schemes. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them, to our God, because he is generous with forgiveness. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans." Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seed to the sower and food to the eater, so is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. Yes, you will go out with celebration and you will be brought back in peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you for reading our scripture. I have a pop quiz for you. Those joining by Zoom or Facebook, feel free to type your answer into the chat box. For those in person, if you know the answer, just shout it out. How many minutes are in one year? Oh, my heart is breaking. There's no musical theater fans in the room. For those who have ever seen the show Rent, you immediately have the song already playing in your head. 525,600 minutes. How do you measure a year? Well, those in the cast of Rent would belt out the words in daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches and miles, in laughter and strife. In 525,600 minutes, how do you measure a year in the life? Trying to measure the last five months of my life during my renewal leave, I could measure miles. I flew 8,352 miles between D.C. and five other cities. I could measure the number of days where my laptop stayed off. I had 45 days in a row. What a miracle. (laughs) 
I could count the books that I read, 28, or the audiobooks that I listened to, 32, but those statistics don't capture the depth of the experience that happened during my renewal leave. Instead, I have to turn to the ancient Greeks to help me convey one of my key learnings during my renewal leave. That is the distinction between the experience of Kairos time and Kronos time. Now, I've heard those terms before, I've talked about those terms before, but I've always said God's time and human's time. But writer McKinley Valentine describes it this way. Where Kronos is quantitative, Kairos is qualitative. It measures moments, not seconds. And further, it refers to the right moment, the opportune moment, the perfect moment. One such perfect moment, an instant of Kairos time, was when I opened my eyes on Easter morning to see the sun coming over the horizon over the city of Denver while at the sunrise service at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. Greg and I got up very early that morning. The parking lot opened at 4.45 a.m. That is Kronos time. I am not a morning person, but thanks be to God for time zones. It only felt like 6.45. And so we got there and we were bundled up in our jackets and we had our blankets and we found our seats on those very cold stone benches at the amphitheater. And as we waited, we saw hints of sunrise starting to lighten the sky, and we heard the worship band playing the opening songs of praise to God. When worship began, we had over 7,000 people gathered together at that outdoor amphitheater. And we gathered together, and at one point in worship, the pastor was leading us in prayer and invited us all to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And with 7,000 voices resounding against those red rocks, that was an incredible experience for my ears. But then when I opened my eyes and I discovered that while we were praying, the sun had come over the horizon, it was such an awesome and glorious sight that I burst into tears at the beauty of God's creation. A few moments later, I took a photo of the sunrise. But this photo that I will show you cannot capture the depth and the beauty of that Kairos moment. As the songs praising God rang out at Red Rocks, it was as though the mountains themselves were singing. Our scripture this morning in the words of the prophet Isaiah says, even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now I can't say that I've heard the trees of the field clap their hands, but I have heard the mountains burst into song. These ancient words from Isaiah come at the very end of a section in that book called the Book of Comfort. Many scholars believed that these words were directed towards those who were coming home after captivity in Babylon. The opening words of chapter 55 would have resonated with people who were struggling to reestablish their lives 
People who could barely afford the basic necessities of food or shelter. Their homes in Judah had been destroyed. There were major social, economic, and political struggles. And so to these people, Isaiah proclaims the word of God by saying, All you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, buy food and eat. Without money and at no cost, buy wine and milk. This invitation to God's feast would have been welcome to those who were hungry. But God goes on to say through Isaiah that it is more than just food for the body. God promises, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. This invitation to the feast is good news for those who are hungry in body, and it is good news for those who are hungry in soul. For the ones who have been displaced in Babylon, for the ones who are seeking their faithful God who is taking them home again, God is saying, listen and come to me. Listen and you will live. The invitation is not just for those ancient exiles, but that invitation is for us today. There are still people in our community who are hungry in body. And that is part of the reason why our church continues to feed those who are physically hungry. Even in our experience of exile, while we are outside of our church home, we have a manna ministry of gathering food to share every week with guests at the Homeless Services Center. But God's invitation to us includes our body and also feeding of our spirits. Have you known a time in your life when you've been spiritually famished? When your soul has been parched in a way you don't know can ever be quenched? Maybe it was during a time of personal struggle, job loss, a health crisis, grieving the death of a loved one. Or maybe it was time of communal crisis, like the one that we have shared since COVID invaded our lives in 2020. I know that when I began my renewal leave in March, my soul was parched. Between navigating the challenges of COVID, the challenges that we have faced over the last nine years with our building project, and then finally the years of my dad's life and death, that left me longing for the living waters that God provides for us. And so my renewal leave granted me the rare gift of time. Time to sit in God's presence and feast upon God's word. If you read our newsletters over the last few months, you'll know that I outlined the eight holy habits that I intended to integrate into my sabbatical time. And there was an invitation to all of you to participate in them as well. Each of those habits had been a practice in my life at some point, but it had been a long time since all eight of them were integrated each day. And so through the gift of my renewal leave time, I was able to reintegrate them. Those habits are prayer, hydration, reading scripture, tending relationships, healthy eating, physical activity, reading, and reflection. 
March 12th, the day that my leave started, Greg and I hopped on a plane to fly to Texas to see our nieces and our nephew, to reconnect with our family living out of town, to tend to those relationships. And then we were able to welcome guests in our home who wanted to come and see us and, of course, the cherry blossoms that were blooming in March. And then after that, I was able to fly to Colorado, where I had that incredible Easter experience that I shared with you. And then the day after, Greg drove me to the Sacred Heart Retreat House, where I would spend 30 days in silence, and where I would be able to listen closely for God's voice. Now, I've talked about this silent retreat to a few of you, and there are some who immediately say, that's not for me. I can't imagine being silent for 30 days. But I know that it is fruitful. It can be a hard practice, and 30 days is probably not for everyone. But each of us can get silent for a moment to listen to God's voice, because sometimes God's voice is quiet when the world is loud. And I know that for me, being immersed in an atmosphere of silence allows the busyness of my mind to quiet so that I can listen to what God has to say to me. Now, the particular retreat that I was participating in is called the Ignatian Spiritual Exercises. It was created about five centuries ago by a man named Ignatius, and it's evolved over time, but he created this pattern of what to read and the themes that build on each other over the 30 days. And the very beginning is called the first principle and foundation. So I want to share with you my favorite of the translations of this. My spiritual director gave me three to read and to pray with that first day. And this is the one that I found most fruitful for me. It's interpreted by Jacqueline Bergen and Sister Mary Schwann. Lord, my God, when your love spilled over all of creation, you thought of me. I am from love, of love, for love. Let my heart, O God, always recognize, cherish, and enjoy your goodness in all creation. Direct all that is me toward your praise. Teach me reverence for every person all things. Energize me in your service. Lord God, may nothing ever distract me from your love. Neither health nor sickness, wealth nor poverty, honor nor dishonor, long life or short life. May I never seek nor choose to be other than you intend or wish." being firmly grounded in the truth of our identity as children of God, as ones who were created of love and from love and for love. When we are firmly on that ground, then we can indeed ask God to teach us reverence for every person and all things. I observed this reverence for every person as I watched the others at the retreat house and the ways that we interacted with one another, even though we offered the gift of silence. So there wasn't conversation. It didn't mean that we ignored each other. During meals, we would listen to music as we ate. 
And I noticed at one point in time, there was a woman who walked with a cane, and this made it very difficult for her to carry her tray from the serving line to her table. And I noticed each meal after another, the different people who would offer to carry her tray full of food to her table, and then at the end of the meal, who would come and ask, may I take your dishes very quietly to honor the silence and yet as a gift to her because it was so difficult to navigate carrying the tray with her, with her cane. I also was surprised with a moment where I took my own dishes after breakfast one day and returned to my seat with a fresh cup of coffee to find a gift in my place. It was this handmade cross. On the back, the person who made it has carved in Sacred Heart Retreat Center and the year, and there was a note with it. The note indicated that the person was another person on retreat. They signed it anonymously as a fellow pilgrim, and they told me that they made this from wood that was on the 300 acres of the mountaintop site where we were on retreat. So I don't know who made this for me, I have a guess based on who I think would be the type to be uh, carving wood. But that was a gift from God that morning. I felt not only full from my breakfast, but I felt full in my heart because God showed up in an unexpected moment. God showed up through the gifts of another person. Those unexpected moments of grace showed up during my retreat time, but then throughout my renewal leave. And they continue to show up in my daily life. The problem is that in my daily life, I'm often so busy or distracted that I miss those moments. Prior to my renewal leave, my schedule was so full and focused on Kronos time, making sure we met the proper deadlines for all the things that we're doing. And the gift of renewal leave allowed me to release those deadlines. It allowed me to stop focusing on the Kronos time and to be attentive to the Kairos time. Learning to notice and celebrate those Kairos moments when they show up is the gift I will carry with me for a long time. Now on retreat itself, there is still some Kronos time to tend to. Meals were served at specific times. I met with my spiritual director at a specific time every day, and there was daily worship at a specific time. But those basic rhythm of our daily life, those Kronos moments, simply provided a structure for me to then release the rest of my time into God's hands and watch as the retreat unfolded in Kairos time. Throughout the rest of my renewal leave, when I returned home, I tried to maintain a similar rhythm of having a few touch points of Kronos time. Every morning at 9 a.m., I would hop on Zoom for daily prayer with a colleague in Florida. That was a practice we had before renewal time, but during renewal time, she also was taking some sabbatical time. And so we were able to not only have our daily prayer with one another, but also to have some time of spiritual reflection because neither one of us had to rush off for our first meeting of the day. I watched those Kairos moments unfold throughout renewal eve. And now that I'm back to work and my calendar is filling up with many Kronos appointments, I know 
that I have to be more attentive to God's Kairos moments because they will continue to show up. You don't have to go away to the mountains to experience Kairos time. It can and does happen in the midst of the city. There was a moment this past week when I was blessed to be invited to the home of someone who had just purchased a new apartment and who wanted to have a pastor come and bless that space. And so I took the train downtown and was prepared to follow my GPS navigation to the location. But as I stepped off the train, I turned to my left and I immediately saw one of the members of our church who was also heading to this blessing. And then two steps later, we ran into yet another member of the church going to this blessing. All of us had been on that same metro, station, uh, metro train, getting on at different stops, riding in different cars, but we got off on the same train and in the midst of the metro center stop, just for an instant, it was a moment of Kairos time where everything was unfolding in perfect harmony with God's intention. So you don't have to go away on retreat. You can discover a moment of Kairos time if you're open to it. Sometimes these moments happen in worship. During a song when your spirit is pulled towards the heavens and you feel a sense of peace. In that moment of silent prayer, when you hear the sound of a baby and remember the gift of new life. In that moment of sharing the peace, when you have a hug from someone to remind you that you're not alone in this world, you're part of God's family. Or when we share in communion and you're handed a piece of bread and it reminds you that it is just a small glimpse of the feast to which we are all invited. God's heavenly banquet. These Kairos moments happen and they feed our souls. And that is just as necessary as feeding our bodies. May we all keep our hearts open to the Kairos moments in our daily life so that Isaiah's ancient words will continue to ring true in our hearts today. Yes, you will go out with celebration and you will be brought back in peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. Thanks be to God. Amen.